Well, I, I, love, I, I love this church. I love Sunset. I love what he's doing in this community. And I love uh, the people that make up this community. Uh, one guy I want to tell you about this morning, his name is Juan Carlos. Uh, once a month, all the musicians and those who serve in the technical areas, sound and lights and, and video and all that, uh, get together just to worship God and love one another. And I, I join in on their, uh, their monthly worship night. And I was chatting with Juan Carlos. He's been a part of the community for a while. You may not uh, have met him. He's not here right now because he's actually in control of all the slides. So he's behind that wall. There's a tech room. Can you just say, hello, Juan? One, two, three. Yes. Uh, he actually can't hear you. He's back there. <laughs> but we pipe in a small speaker. So he did. So Juan Carlos uh, was born and raised in Peru, but he's studying here. And he's also doing research in breast cancer. Uh, at OHSU. And it's a really, he had a cool, really intriguing story. I didn't know the details, but he grew up in a very poor family. And his father never graduated high school and his mother didn't graduate high school until she was 30. But as a young person, he, he wanted to be a doctor. So he worked hard and studied and he finished uh, university and finished medical school in Peru, but had a dream of being a researcher and, and a doctor here in the U.S. And if you're in Peru, that dream of doing it here in this country is a pipe dream for most. But a lot of hard work, and he loves Jesus and following God, and that dream was realized, and he got an opportunity to do some advanced research with breast cancer here at OHSU, and now he's doing more studies. So he's not only a doctor in Peru, and not only a lead researcher, but he's also going to complete another medical degree here in the U.S. Hello, brain power. Yeah, Juan Carlos is so unassuming but God has given him this great open door. And I love it because he's the story we all dream about. It's the American dream, right? Someone who comes from nowhere, from a family who's totally broke, but dreams of what God may do, and he watches it unfold, and he's still in his 20s. Anything is possible. So I want to read you a quote because Juan Carlos, what he told me, I, I had him email it because it was so profound. And he said this. He says, I have big dreams for this reason. I had to take big risks. I had to believe and I had to keep doing that every day. I developed my faith and that means I trust God to accomplish my dreams even if everyone underestimates me and what I believe. God is big for me because he's real and he's provided all the opportunities and all the resources that I have to live in this country. Um, when you listen to Juan Carlos share his story, it is not about him and his genius and his open doors. It's about God. Look what, look what God has done, and I can't believe it. God has been faithful to me. And then he made a statement that I had to write down, and I'm asking you, please, fake it till you make it. Write this down. Like, write this down. That's not the statement. But write this down. <laughs> write this down, because it was so simple and so profound, and it's in the text in Joshua 1. Small dreams, small risks, Small faith, small God. Small dreams, small risks, small faith, small God. If that is Juan Carlos's perspective, then he wouldn't be here today, but he believes that the opposite is true, that there is a big God and it's possible to have big dreams and sometimes we need to take big risks and express big faith. And so this morning, I want us to think about in a series called Passages, as we're thinking about just texts in the scripture that have made an impact 
in people's world, this text that we're going to read has had a huge impact in my formation and why I am here today. So let's just, let's just read the text and let's just think about that statement, small dreams, small faith, small risk, small God. Uh, Joshua 1.1 1, 1 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I'll give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What is your dream? There are times in life where you're going to reach a place where there's a real fork in the road. Something stirring in your heart. It may not seem like a big deal to anyone else, but you can't shake it. It may not seem like all that important or life-giving or significant, but something within you says, this is what I was made for. It's what I was made to do, what I was made to be, what I was made to pursue. Well, if you have a dream about anything, whether it's about a family or, or a business or some sort of invention or a place that you're longing to see, something that you want to do, you're going to reach places where, where your dream is out there. You're wondering, if I go left, will it get me there? If I go right, will I stumble? Will I fall? You're going to reach forks in the road. Now, for Juan Carlos, it was to become a medical doctor and medical researcher. Coming from humble means, that's an impossible dream. For me, it was traveling the world and telling people about the love of Jesus. Now, I, I don't know why. I didn't ask for it, but when I was a teenager... I just felt like there's nothing better that anyone could do than to travel and, and share this, this message that I knew and received this person, Jesus. And for you, it may be different and it may not be there. You could be in your 30s and you're still wondering, dream, like I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to do yet. That's okay. In time, that thing may come towards you. Well, what do you do about it? The key phrase here is after the death of Moses. It's right there in verse 1. After the death of Moses. This is a hinge. The Hebrew Bible is made up of three sections. The Torah, the books of Moses, first five. And the Nevi'im, uh, the writings. And then the Ketuvim, the prophets. The Tanakh, the Torah, the Nevi'im, the Ketuvim. Three parts of God's story. We call it the Old Testament. But Joshua 1 is the hinge from 
the teachings of God through the servant Moses now to the people of God. And Joshua is the first leader outside of the great servant Moses. Try putting yourself in Joshua's shoes for a minute. There was, uh, in Genesis 12, a promise given from God, the creator, to Abram. I'm going to take your people and bless you. You're going to be my people. You're going to multiply. Your, your, your heritage, your kids and their grandkids will be as many as the sand on the seashore, as many as the stars in the sky, and I'm going to give them the land you're standing on. And the world will know that I've got a people and it's going to be your descendants. Well, Abram had that promise. What's the gap of time? That's Genesis 12. Well, to the time of Moses, it's 600 years. When God makes a promise, sometimes it takes a long time. You got a dream, a vision. And if you're young, you say, I want it now. Why? Because you were born in America. And in America, we all get what we want when we want. We want it fast. Can I just remind you, in God's story, Abram gets a promise. He never sees it other than a little plot of land to bury his wife. And, and Isaac and Jacob call Israel and Joseph. They don't see it. As a matter of fact, Joseph saves God's people from impending starvation. But next thing you know, they're in slavery for 400 years. God keeps his promises but his timetable is not the same as ours. So in the story of God, Abram, you're going to have land, blessing, the world's going to know me. And now Moses is raised up, born in Egypt, in the household of Pharaoh, least likely guy. He's sent away for 40 years, but he comes back and God says, I want you now is the time of redemption. Go back to Egypt and let Pharaoh know, these are my people, let them go. So Moses uses God to see Israel, this group of now millions of people. So the whole sand and the seashore, the whole stars in the sky, that's happening, but they have no land. But God keeps his promises in full. And so he's going to get his people out of slavery into the land. And Moses is the pioneer figure. Forty years through Moses, the miracles happen and Pharaoh relents. Through Moses, the parting of the Red Sea, and they go over on dry land. Egypt tries to follow, and they're swallowed up into the sea. Through Moses, water from a rock. Through Moses, this quail coming down from the heavens. Through Moses, manna up from the ground. Through Moses, military battles. Moses, 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 Moses. Forty years of this domineering leader, this man of God. But now, after the death of Moses, we've got to put ourselves in the framework of what Joshua is going through. You see, Joshua is the next of many people who are going to lead God's people. But sometimes when God gives you a dream, a vision, uh, an intuition about what is supposed to happen, it's overwhelming. Who is Joshua compared to the great man Moses? And by the way, Joshua saw for 40 years as the people rebelled against the word of God. The people wanted to kill Moses and go back to Egypt. Joshua's 40 years of being Moses' aide and military leader, he saw how rebellious. And now God has put him on the edge of the land and they're about to possess a 600-year-old promise. What does that say about you and me? Sometimes when God puts something on our soul, it seems impossible and it's scary. Ever feel that way? 
You're like, I, I want to go do this, but oh, I just don't know if I'm going to make it. My niece is here, uh, Kayla, and she was born in New Jersey, but raised mostly in Estonia. And she's moving here to, to go to Linfield in McMinnville and to go to university, new country, visited, never lived here, like in her like adult or teen years, a new school, a, a, a roommate, a new system of education. Everything's brand new. And there's excitement when you're starting university. Also, there's a little bit of fear, like, what if I don't make it? Or what if I don't have the friendship network? Or what if, what if, what if I eventually have to pay it back? Anyway, that's another story altogether. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> Something like, oh, no. Uh, I know the feeling all too well. I, when I left college, all I wanted to do was tell people about Jesus, travel the world, and I meet a guy named Luis Palau, and he took me under his wings, and for seven years, I was on staff with Luis Palau, and greatest time of my life, but I had the stirring from year one of those seven years. Jose, it's just a season. I want you to go out. Okay, Lord, but thank you for sending me to Luis, and then year two, and then year three, then year four, then year five, year six. By year seven, I just, I knew if I didn't step out, it would be disobedience. So no building, no team, no invitations, no money, nothing. I just knew the time was right. Step out in faith. So I went to Luis and the leadership and said, God's been stirring and it's time for me to go. And like, we believe in you. We're with you. You know, like, you know, no one tried to murder me or, you know, anything like that. Not that they're violent. But, um, but I, I remember stepping out and realizing, holy cow, I've got a wife and a house. How are we going to pay like the mortgage? Like, is anyone going to invite me to actually go anywhere? And how are we going to have the funding? And who's going to come and help? All of that. So I get it. That was seven years ago. Sometimes in life, um, God calls us to step out in faith. But Carmela, who's one of Luis's assistants that does a lot of his Spanish correspondence, I remember I, I told the, the Luis Paul staff, I said, this is what God's called me to do. And at the end of chapel, once a week, she wrote on a little piece of paper. I kept it with me forever. Um, uh, Joshua 1, 7 through 9. And she's like, you were talking about stepping out in faith. And I thought of these verses. And Jose, these verses are for you. Be strong and courageous. So this passage isn't just like theory. It's been life-changing for me because new can be scary. Would you agree? New can be frightening. New, new is exciting on one level, but when you realize that you're now responsible and things could go south, new can be a scary experience. So what Joshua is uh, being called to is not always going to be easy. Read the rest of the book. You're going to find he's about to face battle after battle after battle. Just like Juan Carlos, the steps to get here were not easy. The steps to stay here are not easy. The steps to grow here are not easy. And following that dream is going to be filled with real ups and downs and highs and lows. So, so why this passage now? It's because we're about four years into our journey. And as I was thinking about what I can share with you this summer, three and a half uh, years ago, we started our weekly gatherings, but four years from September 11, September 11, 2011, is when we started our first prayer meeting about launching a church with no idea who would come, no idea if it would work, no idea where God would take us, no idea that this building existed. We had nothing. But we invited people to join. And, and I'm just here to tell you what I think God's about to do. And the operative word is think. I think that the first three and a half, four years have just been foundation for us. Uh, figuring out who feels called to stay. 
getting to know one another, love one another, beginning to serve together. But I think we're just on the, on the edge of like Israel, not to put it in exact terms, but Israel's going through this wilderness, getting towards somewhere, a land of promise and fruitfulness. And I think that God has set us up for this kind of time. That in the next few months, years, decades, I pray that we'll see a radical increase of blessing for the city of Hillsborough in the Sunset Corridor. Blessing for the school systems. Blessing for those who are down and out and discouraged and need God's hope in the person of Jesus. And I think we're just getting started. And so as we enter into this new phase of this thing called Sunset, this word rings true. Be strong and courageous. What's God bringing us into? Let's just walk through the text. And the application points are so evident and so simple. The key phrase is be strong and courageous. You can look at this whole set of verses and it revolves around that phrase. It's repeated three times. Let's just look at it. Verse 7. Just, just point in. Be strong and very courageous. Jump down to verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. And then go to the end of the first chapter. The last phrase. What does it say in your Bible? Only be strong and courageous. Why the repeat? Why does Joshua need to hear three times in this first chapter of a new story, not for him alone, but for the whole people of God? Why does he need to hear about being strong and courageous? I think the, the key is verse 9. Let's, let's look at that. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. And then look at the antithesis. Look at the opposite. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You see, fear and discouragement are the opposite. Can I just suggest the natural opposite of what God is about to do? When God speaks to you about anything small, or maybe you just are overwhelmed by what God has put in your soul, the the opposite is going to be the first response. When God says, step out, fear is going to try to keep you. So fear is the enemy of confident strength. And God wants us to walk in confident strength because he is about fulfilling promises that are bigger than you. And here's one thing we just need to remember. Whenever you and I, in Jesus, if if your dream is to have enough money to buy an island and leave everyone alone and enjoy all your stuff, that's not a dream, that's a fantasy, okay? And you need to repent. But if you have a dream of accomplishing something that may not seem supernatural, but for you, it's like I was made to be an engineer and create things that are not to make the world a better place. Whatever it is for you, fear is going to be the first thing to say, that's not God, that's not you, you can't do it. Well, God wants you to have confident strength. And discouragement is the opposite of courageous action. Based on confident strength, God wants you to step into what seems impossible. Why? Because when Joshua wins the battle, people are going to not look to Joshua. They're going to look to God. When Joshua fulfills his calling, like Moses had his calling, people are going to say, wow, God has not forgotten his promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and even us. You see, when you do what God's called you to do, when you step into that thing that God's calling you out to, it's not just about you and your dream and your calling and your gifting. It is about people seeing God at work in and through you. And so fear and discouragement are the enemies of, God, of what God wants to do. So just in our remaining time, three very 
simple but not simplistic steps towards walking in whatever God has put in front of you. The first is this. Here's what we learned from Joshua. Number one, remember God's promise. Remember God's promise or his promises. Let's just jump back to verse two. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land. I am about to give them to the Israelites. Verse three, I will give you. You see, the only reason that Joshua can be used by God in something significant is because God had made promises to his forefathers. And God says to Joshua and reminds him, I'm about to give it. I'm about to do it. So yeah, Joshua, lead the people. Be strong and courageous. But this is about what I want to do on planet Earth. And you, Joshua, as a follower of Yahweh, but for us, let's just put it in Jesus' terms. You as a follower of Jesus, because Jesus is on a mission to rescue all of humanity and recreate all things where he is truly the leader of all. And that's Jesus' purpose, is to redeem people, men and women, but also to bring this world together. And one day he's going to recreate it and make it all new. And there will be one king and his name is Jesus. Jesus is on that path, but here's the fun part. Somewhere in the history of time, you have your place and I have my place. So what God's doing is big and his promises are huge and you playing your part is important. But let's just remember, it's not just about us, it's about God doing his thing through us. Which means you're not always going to see why things happen the way they do. If you look at Joshua's story, if you read uh, the first five books, but read Numbers and Deuteronomy especially, you're going to find that Joshua was in the right place at the right time. God raised him up. He's the first military leader in Israel. We don't know why, but Moses appoints Joshua to go ahead with the army and protect the people. When the tabernacle is built, Joshua is there with Moses as Moses is leading the worship and putting the pieces together so that the people of God can encounter the presence of God. So so Joshua has walked with Moses for 38 years through the highs and lows and all of that was not wasted time. Some of you saying, well, God, if this is really from you, how come it's taking so long? Let's get some encouragement from Joshua. God knows what he's doing. And it may not be to the latter years of your life that you look back and realize, oh, now I know why. Fear and discouragement comes when I feel like God He's, he's missed it when it comes to me and my story. Or I've missed him, or I messed up, or, or this is not the way I thought it would be. When Joshua first went into the land, it was within two years of leading Egypt. Know this. Joshua goes in within two years of leading Egypt. He's at the land of promise. He's one of 12 who goes in and gets a report. He brings it back to the people in Joshua's mind. We're getting the land now. So Joshua and Caleb report back to Moses. It's fruitful. It's amazing. It's Lake Oswego with lower taxes. It's incredible. And, and we're, it's ours. God is giving us the land. But the other 10, fear and discouragement. Man, they're giants, huge. There's hummers in LO. Like, you know, it's, we can't take it. We can't take it. We can't do it. We're not big enough. We're not strong enough. And for 38 years, Joshua has believed that God's trying to answer the promise. And yet, year after year, he sees like, man, we're getting worse and worse, further and further. 
And that is God's doing. So just because God gives you a dream and a vision and a plan does not mean it's a straight line. Sometimes there's some circles. Sometimes there's some repeats. Sometimes there's some pain, some death, and some suffering. That does not mean that God has forgotten. It it just means that God's faithfulness looks different. It looks different than the way I would plan it. So God knows what he's doing, and he doesn't waste one thing. So don't forget. Remember God's promises. God's promises are true. And God made a promise to Abraham 600 years ago, and he's going to keep his promise. And if God has started something in your soul, let me just remind you this morning, he's going to finish it. He's going to do it, even though it doesn't fit your timing. Second thing that we need to see is we, we're to walk in God's presence. So look down at me at verse 5. Walk in God's presence. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life, Joshua. As I was with Moses... So I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to the ancestors to give them. Walk in God's presence. What Joshua needed to remember was getting into the land and his place in the story. That was God's doing. But also, he has a part to play. Joshua, as I was, you saw that Moses was with me. Who goes up the mountain with Moses? Joshua. Who's there outside the tabernacle? Joshua. Moses cultivated this relationship with God. Moses and David, there are few people in the history of mankind that walk with God with intimacy and depth that that Moses can yell at God. He says, I'm going to kill these people. They're so rebellious. I'm going to start all over. Don't worry, Moses. I'll take care of you. I'm going to give me some new people. Moses says, get out of town. You are not. You are not going to do that. What are people going to say? They're going to say you're a God that kills people. They're going to say you're a God who, who doesn't know how to get them into the land. Your name's on the line, God. Relent. Chill. Moses has that kind of walk. So part of fulfilling the dream that God's put in your soul is knowing that it's based on his promises But my response is to cultivate a walk with the presence of God. So let me just ask you, how are you doing in cultivating the presence of God? Now, when I say the presence of God, I don't mean like come to church more often. If we could just do more gatherings and have more meetings and more studies where everything does everything for you, then I'll be in God's presence. And he'll show me what to do. Some of us, we're longing for the next step. We're longing for the next word. We're longing for some encouragement. Can I just say, it's there if you will seek God. So throughout the fall, I know we're still in summer, but throughout the fall, we want to provide environments and little push points so that we will seek God together. Um, I'll give you a little example. And it's not to put myself on the spot, but I had no idea what to share in this passages series. Think like, got some strategy. Someone must have a strategy. I don't. But I was just reading. I read through the Bible every year. Just read day by day. And I happened to be reading about 10 days ago in Joshua. and came to Joshua 1. And it was just one of five chapters I was to read that day. And I read Joshua 1. And I'm reading it. And I'm thinking about you. Not that I don't think about you every morning. But I'm thinking more about me. Like, you know, 
but, uh, but I'm thinking about you. And I'm like, Joshua 1, like the land and Moses and new chapter, new story. And then, and then I, start, I just start typing like a madman. And most of it came out of that little, I didn't plan a message and say, God, this is our time. I got a deadline. Sunday's coming. It was just, no, I just want to meet with you in the morning. And sometimes we're looking for the big aha. If I come to church, God, speak to me today. And God's saying, I'm here in your bedroom. We can hash this out here. We, we want to be a people that cultivates the presence of God and remembers that in his presence, courage and strength are there. So this is not a downer. Like if you're like a little lackadaisical about spending time with God, this is not like you're evil and you're unlike Joshua and, you know, you're like the people that died in the desert. Good luck. You already gave, so now go. Like, you know, this is not, this isn't, this isn't that at all. This is a reminder that we're reading about Joshua because God promised something for him and then Joshua stepped into his promise. And he walked it out. And the same could be true for us. Juan Carlos was given some vision and now he's walked it out. God is his vision and he seeks God and God opened the door and God provided the resources and God brought him to this church. If you talk to him, you're going to hear about God. And it comes out of the intimacy that we can have with him. All right, so some of us are waiting for Jesus to zap us or text us. Let me just, let's just be honest. He's not going to do it. But if you seek him, you'll find. If you knock, said Jesus, the door will be open. If you pursue, you'll have what you need. So maybe as we're gearing towards the fall, as we're thinking towards the new school year and work year and new rhythm of life, let's factor in the presence of God as, as a people. Let's be the group that says, you know, I'm not satisfied with what I know of God and my time with him. And it's not about more time and more chapters and more stuff but it's about real time. It's about real connection. That could take two minutes. Could take an hour. Uh, You find your place. The third and equally important um, is that we follow God's commands. Look at at verse seven. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all that my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law, which is everything prior in the story. The book of the law is what, what Moses wrote down at the end of his life about all that God had shared with him that we see here in the text. So keep that book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be careful to do everything in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So Moses was someone who knew the promises of God. Joshua knows the promises of God. Moses understood the presence of God. And Joshua understands the importance of walking in the presence of God. But now that that is real, God, because he's good, had given already to Moses what the entire people needed. You see, everyone doesn't need to go up to the mountain. Everyone doesn't need to get the tablets. Everyone doesn't need all the instruction. God in his goodness gave it to Moses who gives it to the people. And now Joshua and this new generation have risen up. They know the mind and the heart of God. Why? God revealed it. So when I see the scriptures, I don't see a discombobulated writings of 
you know, multiple people over multiple centuries. I see it as something broader and bigger. God in his wisdom wants everyone to know enough about him to follow him, and it's been written. It's been given to us. Don't let this book of the law out of your mind? No. He says, don't don't let it what? Out of your lips. Don't let it out of your mouth. Keep it on your lips. The word meditate here in Hebrew is hagah, and it means to mutter audibly. To meditate on the book of the law isn't just to think about it like, oh, that's that's fantastic. That's just wise. That's catchy. No, is think so much about what God has said because what he said shows us who he is. Just like when you hear a song, you get the heart of an artist. That favorite song of yours or that favorite band of yours, you're not just getting words and a tune. You're getting their heart and they put it into words, but you're getting a sense of what they're going through and their struggles and their victories. And it's the same thing about God. In the text, I get the heart of God. And in the person of Jesus, fully, I see God on display. Now that we have it, Let it so be part of who you are that you're muttering it. And we do this all the time. You ever get a song stuck in your head and you find yourself, you're actually muttering it out loud? Like you're, and then here's the funniest part. You hear someone else saying, humming the same song. You're like, that's so weird, man. Like I was just, I was just humming the same song. What you don't realize is you are actually muttering the song and they picked up on it and they started muttering the song and the both of you are scarred for the rest of the day. You're both totally scarred. It's, it happens all the time. You get a song and it's stuck in your head. And, and that's, what, that's, what, that's what God is saying to Joshua. You want to see that dream realized. Here's what's going to take. My presence is real. And because my presence can be seen in what I've said, let that so invade your soul. In other words, you are going to have options about who's going to direct the course of your life. You're going to reach forks in the road about choices you're going to need to make. And some of those choices are going to honor God and lead to prosperity and life. And some of those choices are against God. And if you go down that path, it's going to lead towards destruction. And so he says, every day, have, have God's thoughts so in your soul that you're thinking about it before you get to the decision. Here's our problem. If you don't cultivate the presence of God, you're going to reach the point of decision and you're going to beg saying, God, what do I do? As you glance and go down the wrong path. But rather, what would happen if you and I cultivated the presence of God so much and made it part of our rhythm that when we got to the fork of the road, we said, oh, that has the signs of God all over it and that's going to kill me. And that is way more sexy. That looks shorter, easier. That's the fast track. But yet in our soul, we know, no, no, that's not, that's not God's path. I'm going to go down God's path. We want to be a people that just cultivates the promises of God and the presence of God and the thoughts and the very words of God. And as we do that, can I just encourage you? We want to be a people who grow into what God is doing. Because in Joshua 1, you don't get the end of the story. You're just getting the beginning. You read the rest of the book and you see the battles come. But the battle was already won at the beginning when Joshua hears from God and decides to live a God-like life. And the same could be said for you and me. So as a community, we want to help. So the whole idea of doing this series of studies, grow to get our fundamentals right, the basics in order, theology, so we'll begin to think about the tough questions, questions that people are going to ask us if God is good, why? 
If the Bible is supposedly the word of God, what about? We want to be ready for all those. You and I get the privilege of cultivating the presence and knowing the word of God. And so we want to help you as a church, but we can't do it for you. So I think Juan Carlos's words ring true. Small dreams, small risks, small faith, small God. But let's just flip it for a second. Big dreams, big risks, big faith, big God. And I think our next season can be marked by these realities. We begin to take our own limitations off and we begin to think about what God may have been planning for 600 years to do right here in our town, in our generation, in our world. And the choice is yours. So I want to be a people that are like Joshua, not looking back to the previous 40 years, but looking ahead to what God is calling us to step into And I want to be a church that's not afraid of change. Change is hard for many. I get it. But change is required. Israel needs a new leader. Israel needs a new strategy because Israel is about to take new ground. And as we do that, I'm suggesting a lot of change will come. But change is a good thing when it's changed in the direction of God's commands. And finally, I want to be a part of a church that is committed to radical obedience to the teachings of Jesus. Where we we say the book of the law is our book and the word of God is our guide and the teachings of Jesus are right even when our culture says it's wrong. We believe that this is God's mandate for us and we're going to step into it. Well, God is so good and the way he does stuff is so good. Um, So we're worshiping, right? You say, well, God, does he speak to people? Does he... What, how, does, how does this all work? I wish I could script stuff like this, but I, I just can't. So we're worshiping. It's song one this morning. And my brother just taps me on the shoulder. Like a little, and I, he's like, hey, as we were worshiping, I had this, this thought came to mind. And I think it's from the spirit of God. So I want to end with this and we're going to worship Jesus. He goes, I have this, this, this thought just keeps coming to mind. Someone has a knee problem. Am I right? Someone has a knee problem that God wants to touch. Oh, that sounds cool. Someone has migraine headaches that God wants to touch. And someone heard really bad news this week that God just wants to say, hey, my presence is here. You can't script this stuff. But funny thing is, my brother had no idea what he was going to talk about. And we're talking about this morning a big God who calls us to big risks and big faith And dream big. And God in his goodness hints to my own bro, hey man, I want to do some stuff in the lives of my kids. Now you can go two ways with this. One, coincidence. (laughs) I'm not even going to hint on what that's called foolishness. Or we could say, God, you're so good that you would talk to kids like us. I invite you to stand up. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship God. If you're here this morning and you, you got that bad news, you, uh, you've got that bum knee, you've got those migraines, or anything else, uh, we're going to call on the name of Jesus and invite him now as we worship to do what only he could do. He was with Moses. He was with Joshua. And my friend, he will be with you.